So all week I've had a few thoughts rolling around in my head, um, which might be a little scary because you never know what's going on in my head. <laughs> and you don't really know where that's going to lead. But I promise this has got a, a good coherent message here. Um, I've uh, thought about these thoughts. One is Advent, of course, because we're beginning this holy season of Advent. This season of uh, waiting, of hoping, of anticipating, of walking in and through darkness and the lessons that that walking through darkness has to teach us. How we're invited in this season over the next three weeks until Christmas to slow down and to be looking for the signs of the Incarnation, the Christ child born anew in the world and in our hearts. That is thought number one. Thought number two is everything else that's going on in the world. Uh, I had a meeting with, uh, well, the clergy of uh, this district, the Greater Washington District, had a meeting with our bishop on Thursday, and at this meeting she mentioned to us that these are extraordinary times that we are living in. It's almost hard to believe the number of times we hear Russia in the media and in the news and meddling in elections. Uh, it's hard to believe that the former national security advisor was indicted and pled guilty to lying to the FBI and there's suspicions of other crimes that go with that. There's continued revelations of men who have acted from uh, at the minimum inappropriate all the way to criminal toward women and have, those stories have just continued to come forward and come out. Which, I'm going to do a little slight aside here. Um, not for the women, but for the men in the room, which is to say, it's not hard to not assault women, guys. I'm pretty sure most of the guys in this room know it, but just to make sure it's not hard to not do it, it's just don't do it. Like, it's really that simple, and if you need more explanation, please come talk to me, because I'd be glad I have some real, I don't know, deep thoughts is the right word, but I have some thoughts on how um, we can uh, definitely be doing better and doing different, because, yeah, anyway. Let me get back to the sermon. Uh, so we also had the President of the United States uh, decided to do some tweeting, um, which isn't necessarily unusual, but one thing in particular that really frustrated me is that he decided to tweet some Islamic uh, racist xenophobic groups videos, um, and then the White House chose to defend those tweets as if that was reasonable. Um, and then there's the Congress that's on the verge of passing this tax bill and sending it to the desk of the president for signing into law. And every analysis that's been done has, says that it will heap debt on you and on our children. And it seems to me, this is my opinion of the bill, uh, I'll go ahead and say that, is uh, immoral transfer of wealth to the top further concentrating money and power with fewer and fewer, leaving more and more struggling to survive, making moral imperatives like education and health care more difficult to achieve. This is all in the last week. It is definitely extraordinary times that we are living in. Part of the reason I wanted to bring that up is because the bishop told us, you know, any pastor who's getting up on Sunday and doing a joke and three stories in a poem still, just stop. 
because these are extraordinary times and as the church we have a moral imperative to speak for justice and equity and equality and there are things happening in our world uh, that we view as immoral. Now I also want to be clear that this is not about political parties. This is not about um, this is about our stances that we as the church have taken, and I can back them up with the Book of Discipline and the Book of Resolutions, um, which is our Methodist way of uh, making statements. Um, and, and I say that because it's important to understand that there are things that sometimes feel very political because they are political, but are also moral imperatives, and that's why the church speaks about them. I'm never gonna get up here and tell you what candidate to vote for, but I am gonna tell you when I think something's immoral. And so that is why the bishop told us, remember, we are not struggling against flesh and blood, and I would add to that political parties. We are struggling against something deeper here as the church, the powers stronger than a person or a political party, the age-old powers of good and evil as they always have been are pitted against one another as we enter into this season. Yes, Advent is about awaiting the birth of Christ, the Christ child in the manger, but it's also about expecting Christ in the messiness of our lives right now. We're expecting the Christ child to come once again, the incarnation, God in the flesh, one of us, once again, and we are expecting so when some of this, these things may seem a little out of place for an Advent sermon, well, that's where I would say, actually, it's very much connected. Now, it also could be that our scripture seems a little out of place because, well, it almost is a little out of place. It's not a Christmas cheery story. It's certainly not uh, pointing us to the Christ child. or the, It's not a prophetic story about the birth of Jesus. But this is pointing us to something different. That's still Advent. This particular passage comes right after, or right before the passion narrative starts in the Gospel of Mark. So Jesus is giving this uh, final lesson to the disciples, this final teaching. It's this long section where Jesus is uh, giving his final teaching right before the passion narrative, the journey to the cross begins. The next section moves into uh, the Last Supper and moves forward from there. So we're finding ourselves at the very end of Jesus' earthly ministry. And that doesn't feel very Adventy. But bear with me here for a moment. Mark in this passage is actually almost foreshadowing what's actually about to happen. Um, there's that, pass, that section at the beginning about the darkening of the sun and the moon, and you can read that to refer back to the crucifixion when the sky was darkened just before Jesus' death, and then the curtain in the temple was torn just after his death. And then towards the end of this passage, we see uh, this reference to um, in the evening at midnight, at cockcrow, and um, at dawn, which can also directly relate to what happens on the way to the cross. We have stopping in the evening, 
at the Last Supper, or midnight when Jesus was betrayed, or cock crow when Peter denied Jesus, or dawn when Jesus emerged from the tomb alive forevermore. In this passage, we have this announcing, this foreshadowing of what is just about to come in the passages ahead. It's also letting us know that Jesus could have come at any time in all of these hours, and none of us know the hour. Now, sure, we all know that Christmas comes in three weeks, but we're still watching for Jesus' coming. We are watching and waiting, and that is Advent. The disciples were watching and waiting much of that whole crucifixion narrative has the disciples in one way or another watching or waiting, running and hiding, waiting for what is next. The stories of the disciples just after the crucifixion as they were held up in the upper room waiting for what's next. And then there's that lovely story about the women running and finding that Jesus was no longer in the tomb. Disciples were watching and waiting, and that is Advent. And so this passage, which may seem a little out of place, is actually opening us up to this idea of waiting. As we start this season of waiting, no one knows the hour in which the Master will return, when Jesus will come again. And as we wait, there is work to do. So this is Mark 13. In Mark 6, Jesus had already given the disciples the authority to go out uh, and the instructions to preach repentance, to cast out demons and heal the sick. The disciples were waiting for Jesus and actively at work carrying out the work of Christ. Now the church today has been given and continues to live into that calling. Just like the disciples who were waiting and going and doing. The disciples who were waiting in the sense of Jesus was doing so much of the stuff in his earthly ministry and they were waiting and going and doing, given authority to go out and preach the gospel. Maybe before they even completely understood it. And we in the church are called to do the same thing. In the United Methodist Church, we stand on a call to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. We are called to preach to people to change their hearts and lives. We're called to speak out against injustice and to help the sick, the lonely, and the forgotten. And so this week's text offers us a twofold message as we think about it in terms of Advent. To be busy with what Jesus has called us to do as you wait for his return and to be alert to how and where Jesus appears in your own life. On this first Sunday of Advent, we're asked to be watchers and workers and waiters. And asked what kind of watchers and workers and waiters we will be. And we're not just waiting, but we're staying awake. Because there's a passive waiting where you sit and stop. And then there's a waiting that you do as you're going about all of the things, which is actually probably a pretty good metaphor for most people's advents anyway, because uh, anyone who's ever done church 
um, for Advent knows that this season is filled with all kinds of stuff. You go to a local church, you're going to have the kids' Christmas pageant prep, you're going to have the Christmas parties, you're going to have the, uh, back when I was growing up, we had something called progressive dinners where we go around to different people's houses and see all the decorations. There was all kinds of things going on as we waited and anticipated the coming of Christ, the Christ child. All of these things are happening. So we're waiting, but we're actively waiting. We're not stopping. And so when we think about that in terms of what I've been bringing up today, we're staying awake. And we are standing now proclaiming that he is coming. And we are waiting for Jesus and nothing else. We are waiting on the precipice of this new thing keeping ready by being engaged with the Word of God in the world, the Word who the Gospel of John tells us is Jesus. We're seeking justice and mercy wherever we go. We are listening for the cries of the suffering, and we are waiting for Jesus, only Jesus, because that's the only thing we have time to wait for, because there is so much more for us to do. Remember this, God is slow to anger. But even God reaches the tipping point when enough is enough. Think about the story of Moses and the Israelites in Egypt when God called Moses to go to Pharaoh and said, the time has come for this oppression to end. Let my people go. God said enough is enough. The time is now. God has already reached that point with that point many ages ago with humanity and has said in the resurrection of Christ that here I offer you a new way. In the times of oppression and injustice, the days of evil are numbered because the Holy Spirit is on the move and God's justice is done waiting. And so in this season of Advent, we are saying that the time for racism is over. The time for sexism is over. The time for dehumanizing and harming one another is over. The time of xenophobia and the fear of the religion and beliefs of others is over. The time of judging one another on the things that we can see in appearance or who we love or how we know ourselves to be is over. The time of lifting some at the expense of others is over. God has declared in this season of anticipation that the time of the powers and principalities of evil are over because the Christ child we await, the Savior we await, has given us a new and better way that will always best all kinds of evil when we truly live it. Our scripture today ends with these words from Jesus. And what I say to you, I say to all, Keep awake. We must stay awake in the midst of our darkness, of the darkness of this season. We can't allow ourselves to be lulled into a false peace, to let the events of the past days, the past months simply fade to memory, to be lulled by the season of cheer and joy, losing sight of our calling to the world. We must stay awake in this season of darkness faithfully walking through it because this is not the end. There is more to come. Hope is coming and is here. As we lit the Advent candle today, we are reminded that Christ has come and is coming again. And there is hope in that. 
hope that we live in the kingdom of God, that peace will reign on earth, and that how things are now is not how they will always be. But until then, we are staying awake and alert and creating a world around us that lives into those values. So I again say to you, this Advent season, stay active and awaken as we await. Amen.